Let's get out to the zone phone. Uh, joining us now, he works for the Oregon, excuse me, Oregonian covering the Ducks. He also has a show on KORE 1050 in Eugene. He is James Crepia with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. James, good afternoon. Thanks for a few minutes. How are you? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Hey, we we're doing terrific, especially because you know we've got a uh, we've got a title game on the horizon. I think this is a great matchup between two really good teams. Give us kind of the tail of the tape from your perspective. How do you think this game's going to go? Well, I think it's going to definitely be a, a clash and battle of strengths. Which I mean, you would hope the conference title game set up that way. Uh, I mean, it would be really bizarre if we got to this time of year in December and these marquee games, and it was suddenly a clash of you know, one team's great strength against another's great weakness, wouldn't it? Uh, so here you have, obviously, uh, one of the best offensive lines in the country against one of the best defensive lines in the country. And a Utah defense that is strong at all three levels, that has basically the entire all-Pac-12 first-team defense on its entire defense uh, up against an offense that is a top-25 offense. I know Oregon fans right now are unbelievably down on it over the last uh, two weeks, and some of it for good reason, some of it uh, a little bit extreme and flying off the handle, but be that as it may, after two less than stellar performances uh, in a loss at Arizona State and then a mediocre-looking win uh, against Oregon State, this is a matchup where if Utah had to draw up when to get Oregon, boy, is it getting them at the right time as far as Oregon's offense is concerned. Now it's defense, other side of the ball, which I think, if anything, is probably the side that we're all kind of overlooking slightly. And that's a shame because Zach Moss, to me, might be the most underrated running back in the country. Uh, he is not only the fact that he's so far and away the best running back in this conference, he's a terrific player. And Oregon didn't get to see him last year, as we all know, because he was hurt in that game. Didn't get to play in the game. For that matter, Penny Sewell didn't play in the game for Oregon. But yes, it may. Now, this is going to be a great matchup for Oregon's defense, which is number two in the league. I know Utah's is so far and away the best in the league and best in the country, but the other side of it is pretty compelling because that great running back hasn't played a defense this good either. So we could say the same thing both ways. Well, Oregon hasn't played you know, a defense as stacked as Utah's, though Auburn's is real, real good and probably has better top-end talent, but not across all three levels. And on the other side, you could say, well, Utah hasn't faced a defense anywhere near as good as Oregon's. So it's going to make for some unbelievably compelling matchups on a field that could be pretty awful uh, if the weather forecast holds true. Uh, James, I want to talk a little bit about Justin Herbert. And uh, when I first heard uh, of him is is a little bit interesting. I was up there in, in Eugene, and I was covering the Utah-Oregon game some years back. It, it was the game Utah won big, but that's not why I bring it up. Uh, I, I was up there covering that game, and when I do, I like to tune into local sports radio, and I, I tuned into 1050. I tuned into you guys up there, and I'm not sure exactly who the who the host was, but there was a bit of a clamoring for the local boy in Justin Herbert, and it was the first time that that name caught my attention. And then from there, he's just turned into this unbelievable story. You know, local guy done good. He's he's uh, you know we know the NFL is coming after him. He comes back for his his senior year, which I I just love the kind of unfinished business angle and. Talk, uh, you know, from a macro perspective, talk a little bit about his his journey as a player and then talk about kind of how he's played lately, because as you allude to, I know that's what people are a little worked up about. Sure. Well, certainly uh, in some of his earlier years, I mean, some of it's been well chronicled. Admittedly, I was not here for them. Uh, I only joined the beat last season. 
Uh, but that doesn't mean that I'm not knowledgeable about it. Just wasn't I wasn't here chronicling it on the day today at that time. But clearly, uh, this is a quarterback who came in of go. I mean, go back to even his recruitment, where you go back to the Helfrich era, and for whatever reason, and nobody can really uh, articulate it uh, in, in rational terms. But here you have this quarterback playing less than two miles away, who lives less than two miles away, and fits the pedigree by any measure, even though he's considered like a three-star recruit, and. Mark Helfrich didn't want to offer him until, you know, basically the very end, <laughs> which is mind-blowing in and of itself. And then for this player, who, like I say, was overlooked by so many, not just here at Oregon, but by so many, to turn into this caliber of a quarterback and a first-round, absolute first-round player, where, yeah, he did pass up on that opportunity to leave last year, and there's a bit of unfinished business, but look, he's had his ups, he's had his downs, he's had terrific road performances, he's had some struggles. That goes for the whole senior class. But he came back to help that entire senior class achieve something that they haven't achieved before, and that was to win a Pac-12 championship and compete for a playoff spot. And here they find themselves in that opportunity where they can at least get the Pac-12 championship. They were in the playoff conversation. And frankly, it was more on the defense why they lost out on that with the ASU loss, but be that as it may. He also struggled a bit in the middle of that game, caught fire late, but it was too little too late. And fans got a little bit antsy, particularly about the offense, not just about Herbert, the offense as a whole in the second and third quarters against ASU. Forgot a little bit that they mounted one heck of a comeback, and if not for the defense allowing 500 yards and a 81-yard touchdown on third and 16, which is basically unheard of uh, at that point, that they would have sort of a pretty good chance of an offensive comeback there late against ASU. But this past week... It's hard to really put into words how much Herbert struggled against Oregon State. And nobody can really totally explain it. I mean, you could come up with a million theories. If you listen to the telecast, I, uh, I apologize for you that you've listened to that telecast. But if you listen to that telecast for whatever reason, uh, you heard all kinds of theories that were borderline deflategate level of uh, air pressure and all kinds of things in the weather and whatnot. Uh, if you could also just say that maybe mentally he treated his last home game in Austin Stadium as bigger than it was. Who knows? At this point, it's over. There was a season low in passing, and some of those throws were just plain bad. And like I say, that's why Utah's defense is getting him at the right time because he is coming off what was a bad performance. And that has Ducks fans upset, not just the, their quarterback, but obviously pointing fingers at the offensive coordinator who's supposed to uh, throw the ball for him. James Krapia with us here on 97.5 and 1280 Zone. He covers the Ducks for the Oregonian uh, as well as 1050 uh, KORE there in Eugene. So kind of uh, piggybacking off what you were talking about uh, right there. And, of, of course, Oregon, much like Utah, is a team that, that absolutely wants to establish the run and run the ball, and that uh, helps with the other things they do in the passing game. And so with that in mind, Oregon and Utah are both bringing incredible run defenses to the the table top 10 in the country quality uh run defenses to the game so with that in mind who do you think is is more likely to establish that run if maybe if anybody define establish you know established by ordinary standards uh of you know four plus yards per carry staying on schedule getting into second and manageable third and short uh, i'm not sure either one of these offenses turns that out regularly <laughs> I'm not, uh, to be honest, because I just respect both of these defenses and their run uh, efficiency in particular. Uh, it really is hard to say. I mean, how can you pick against Zach Moss because of what he can do? As I say, I think he's the most underrated running back in the country. 
And on the other hand, uh, I think C.J. Verdell, if he's able to get through a game healthy, as he was last week, uh, but if he's able to do that, he's also one of the more underrated running backs in part because he very rarely gets through a game healthy. Uh, but if, when he does, he's unbelievably effective and runs really, really hard downhill. But can either one of these teams, again, particularly if this weather forecast holds out, guys, I don't see the ball going in the air a whole heck of a lot. And that might help Utah that much further, frankly, because it, it could impact it, what was already a passing game coming off a bad performance. It could further adversely impact the Ducks in that regard. I'm not sure either one of these offenses gets the ground game going really in sync a lot and consistently. And if the weather's bad, maybe you know both defenses overload the box. It's going to be tough. I mean, bottom line, it's going to be tough sledding. This could look downright ugly. This could look, I know Utes fans don't want to hear this, but this could look like last year's Pac-12 championship game stylistically. And Oregon fans don't want to hear it, but I've been saying this could look like the Red Box Bowl, and believe me, nobody wants to hear that. But, you know, the last time both these teams were in Levi Stadium, it was an ugly-looking game, and I think we could be in for another ugly-looking game. <laughs> that was certainly true about the, the Pac-12 title game as well. So, uh, James Krapia with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, uh, James, I get a chance to talk to Mario Cristobal in person just once a year, that meat grinder that we like to call Pac-12 Media Day. And and that day is, as you know, just always filled with good vibes. Everybody's in a good mood. Everybody not named Chip Kelly comes off uh, as likable. And I've really enjoyed my interactions with, with Mario Cristobal. And I'm curious from a from a perspective of a guy who interacts with him on a daily basis, what's what's your take on him? Oh, I mean, he's look, he's bringing a different identity and philosophy to this program. And whether I happen to agree with it or not, I do, but that's besides the point. It's not my job to or not. I just happen to understand it because he comes from the SEC and he comes from a part of the country where, and obviously his own history as an offensive line coach and offensive lineman at Miami back in the day, but coming through both when he was a coach at FIU or assistant at Alabama. And I came out here having covered the SEC uh, and been in that state and know what toughness looks like, know what big winning in the trenches looks like. And he want, in order to not just take Oregon back to being a perennial contender in the Pac-12, but to be nationally relevant, to have those games against Auburn in the opening of this season or Ohio State in home and homes in the next couple of years, Georgia after that, when you're going to take on that kind of caliber competition year in and year out and try and be in a playoff conversation, those are the teams you're going to have to beat. Well, you're not going to do it with a fun and gun, and you're not going to do it being soft. You're not going to do it with flash. You're going to do it with substance. And he's bringing that here, and it's going to take time. And frankly, are they on schedule you know, by the expectations of the season? Absolutely. Uh, but he's also a, you know, a pretty good dude to deal with. Uh, we've had our moments, certainly. Uh, both good and bad, <laughs> but uh, but no, he's he's been pretty pleasurable to deal with on a on a day to day, and uh, now, like I say, I certainly understand where he's coming from and trying to build this program uh, in all facets on the field currently and recruiting and everything because it's a philosophy that while this fan base is still adjusting to, uh, some of them very much would li- love to wind the clock back 15 years and see the blur offense, but that's dead, uh, and this is going to be a new looking style of offense, and it has been. And I think it's going to continue to be run first, uh, not just on Friday night, but for the foreseeable future. Because when Justin Herbert's gone after this season, uh, Tyler Shuck may be pretty good. We'll see. But I think they're still going to lead him pretty heavily on that run game. And that's that's the philosophy that he brings to the table. And like I say, it's different different for here. But that's what he brings. And, uh, yeah, it kind of permeates through all facets of the program. He is James Crepia. He makes the magic happen for the Oregonian as well as KORE 1050 in Eugene. James, thank you so much for a few minutes of your time. Enjoy the game tomorrow.
Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, James. Uh, yeah, should I, I think this is actually a really good matchup. Uh, Utah's obviously playing really, really well, and everybody out there wishes uh, Oregon had gotten past Arizona State, and uh, this would be a battle of two one-loss teams, but that uh, just didn't turn out to be the case. And But uh, make no mistake, this is still a really good Oregon team uh, coming into this game that has a really, really good defense, and they have a really great offensive line and they've got a quarterback that has not looked terrific as of late but he's going to be a first rounder in the nfl draft uh for a reason they have capable running backs the the receiving crew is, is a little bit banged up but this is a really good oregon team a lot more next 97.5 and 1280 the zone